Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. You know, we've been blessed to speak with so many different leaders across large companies. In fact, the biggest ones in the world. It's so hard to steer these huge companies through change. But Sarah, you and I know this running fast growing startups. It's as hard, maybe even harder to drive change with a smaller company during a global pandemic. Certainly. I mean, while big companies tend to move slower, at least they have the resources to put against problems. Like if you're a CPG and a factory worker or one of their family members gets sick, at least there's strength in numbers for backup. But when you're operating a shoestring operation, that's a lot harder. The pro, of course, is the ability to be nimble. I feel like you and I at the companies, the sizes that we're at, we're kind of like Goldilocks, not too big, not too small, just right. I love that analogy, except our locks are not golden. Our guest today also does not have golden locks, but she does have many things that are absolutely right, especially her soups. Sarah Polin, along with her mom, who we know in the Tipograph family, started an amazing soup brand called Supergirl, S-O-U-P, a soup business that's moved from a local DC fave to now national distribution via their direct-to-consumer business. Operating a small business during COVID is a feat in itself, but how they've managed through some dark times, pivoted their business, and have taken care of their people, meaning their employees, is all the reason why they were also able to secure an additional round of funding. Let's go talk to Sarah to learn more. You, Sarah, are our first guest who actually was on Shark Tank. And as much as I wish I could have said I have done that myself, although I might have been petrified, you actually went through, you did the whole thing. You've had a very different route to success in e-com than many of our other guests. Give us a little bit of a history lesson on how you ended up here. Thank you for the lovely intro. So I founded the business back in 2008 with my mom. And at the time, we were always, (laughs) luckily, I don't want to say it was intentional. It really was, luckily, a few steps ahead of the curve. So we started this soup business. We had Michael Pollan's book, were really inspired by the local food movement and just started learning about the industrialization of our food and kind of how brainwashed we were. And we were like, we're, we're going to get involved. And we decided to start working with local farmers. Local was in-ish. It was a little cutting edge. So that was one talking point. Mother daughter was another one. And then we set up a website and we delivered to people's homes and offices. So now that's like, duh, everybody's doing that. We we came up with that and people are like, oh my God, this is brilliant. We're like, really? Oh, great. Okay. 
We got some press initially and really grew a lot in the DC area because it's a fun story. I'm a former stand-up. My mother is just a fabulous Jewish mother who is the chief anxiety officer. (laughs) We like to say, if you don't find something in Supermom's kitchen, you're not going to find it in our soup. People really responded. So we grew very reactively. And then we started dabbling and just expanding the website. We entered into grocery stores and just kind of kept growing store by store, skew by skew. And then we just kept expanding in terms of our D2C. We just kept expanding. We're like, okay, well, maybe we can drive that a little further to Baltimore. Well, maybe we should add Philly. Well, maybe we should add the East Coast and add FedEx. And then we came up with a program, like different you know, boxes of soup, 12-pack, 6-pack, 24-pack, and decided to go national. I will say that getting on Shark Tank accelerated that. So here we are now, we closed our retail stores, the Supergirl stores in DC, and we're really focused on our retail presence in terms of our partners at Whole Foods, Costco, Wegmans, Lidl, et cetera, and then also our D2C program. And so I don't want to say it's been fully reactive, but I do think we switched a few years ago to being proactive, but we just kind of just kept going. We would try something and consumers were like, yes, yes, I'd like this. And so we just were like, okay, we'll keep going. But at the core, this is a very good product. We're a very values-focused brand providing a very good product. And I think at the end of the day, that's what consumers are responding to. It's interesting because we had a conversation really recently where you were talking quite passionately about owning a customer. But when you were just talking, you know, you're readily available at Whole Foods So how do you balance going mass wholesale versus the D2C business? Yeah, that's a very good point. (laughs) I did say that last night. And I do believe that, that I think we want to own the, as much as we can of the customer experience, meaning from when they interact with us on our website to how it lands at their door. And we're putting a lot into that. But along with that, I think something that differentiates us a bit is that some of our communication, and when I say some, I mean a lot of our communication is focused not always on those clicks, but on brand development. We really were working on, someone said last night, PR. We are working on that. We're working on collaborations. We're working on getting the word out about Supergirl. So you might have interacted with us on Facebook or read an article about us, and you'll know what our brand is, and you'll know what we stand for. So if you see us at Whole Foods, if you see us at Costco, no, we're not going to control if we end up in your basket or how how it's displayed at the store. We're going to try our best, but we're going to hope that people will know what they're buying when they buy Supergirl. Some people are just looking for a good bowl of soup. Other people are looking for a lot more. I think especially right now in where we are in 2020, I think more and more people are looking for more than just something to put in their fridge or something to eat. They want to know the story. They want to know about the founder. They want to know about the passion and who they stand for and what's going into this product. And that's where our sweet spot is. Do you see customers discover you at Whole Foods, have a great experience, and then go to your brand.com to purchase? Yeah. We actually had someone had an extensive conversation with someone today who did that exact thing because they wanted something different. They wanted to interact with us directly, but they're not abandoning Whole Foods. They just know that they can get different items on our website. We're providing different experiences for different consumers. And we're really just trying to meet the consumer wherever they shop. But again, understanding it's challenging right now. It's very challenging in the retail landscape to make sure you're differentiated, to make sure you end up in someone's Instacart 
list or here's what you purchased before. And if they didn't purchase us, that's just really hard to break into that. Y'all know that obviously. (laughs) And so what is the experience that we can right now control? It's our website. And then we just keep chipping away on the retailer side. That makes a lot of sense. You talked about your values. Our listeners, I think, would love to understand what your values are. And if they're looking for more than just a bowl of soup, what are they looking for? It sounds a lot like like Ben and Jerry's where the first time I met those guys, they're like, we're a values brand that happens to sell ice cream. It sounds like you're a values brand that happens to sell soup. Yeah. What are the values? That's actually a bit of a tension point between me and my CFO. (laughs) He's like, we just got to sell the soup. And I'm like, we have to grow the brand and what we stand for. But what we stand for is the golden rule. It's treat others as you would like to be treated. And when I say others, I mean people, the workforce, our own workforce, our consumers, the land, the animals, the air. Treat everything and everyone that is involved in the process of getting that ingredient, the soup to your bowl. And it is a really complicated process. And we're a plant-based soup company. This is extremely minimally processed if you call cooking processing. It's a long journey and we want to be good. We want to understand every point of that journey and try to make make it better. And, and that that is so hard right now in 2020, but we're we're trying. And as we grow, we can have more and more influence. But those are our goals. Let's dive deeper. Give me an example. How does that manifest itself in a behavior? Is it, you know, your packaging? Is it your ingredients? And let's just say, you know, you put sure. chickpeas in one of, well, I know you put chickpeas in one of your soups or at least, yeah. at least one of your soups. Certainly that's high extravaganza. But <laughs> when you do that, like, what are the things you're looking for when you're sourcing? Thank you for asking me to dig into that because so many people are like, check, next question. Mm-hmm. So first we start with our own company. So how is our staff treated? So in August, we implemented insurance for everyone. I have the same policy that our prep cook has and our dishwasher has. We all have the same insurance policy. When COVID hit, I was gnawing my teeth and and honestly in the fetal positioning came very close to shutting down because I was asking, how can I ask people to do the exact opposite of what every expert is recommending? Everyone's like, go home, stay home, stay in your home, you know, run in and out of the grocery store if you have to. And I'm saying, no, everyone, you have to leave. And you have to come to work in an environment that was not built for social distancing, that was not built for proper airflow. So we went hardcore into PPE and developing programs that would keep our team as safe as possible. So we have robust testing, we have PPE, we had carpool set up, we provided bonuses, whatever we could do to pull people out of other places of employment that maybe weren't as safe. So people were compensated enough, they felt safe and secure in our little bubble And once I felt confident in that, then I could start thinking about everything else. So that supply chain, I mean, we started learning about what was going on in in agriculture where you have people picking produce, living in storage units with no access to hygiene, running water, and just living on top of each other. And COVID was was just rampant. These people had no protection, no insurance, no healthcare, nothing. I'm not solving that. And I'm trying to work with growers and suppliers who are aware and are trying to do better. It used to be just like we're fighting food waste. We're trying to source responsibly. But what does that really mean when you're sourcing responsibly? So when I work with our partners that are fighting food waste and you know helping us to purchase seconds and things of that nature, I'm also asking, who are you hiring? How well do you know your farmers? How well do you know your growers, et cetera? And so it's pushing 
us all a little bit further. And then in terms of the food we're making, I mean, we're making plant-based food, we're keeping it low in salt, simple ingredients. So you, whoever eats it, feels better. It's a healthy meal. It's a delicious meal and hopefully helping to change your palate, lower your blood pressure, do, you know, achieve your health goals and just have a good meal. We had the CMO of Sabra recently on the, the podcast and, you know, he was talking about how when hummus entered the U.S. market, it entered as a dip as opposed to a meal. And now they're really trying to expand sort of the recipe and flavor profile to change the perception of the product. Soup has been a household staple for a long time, but you're trying to make it so much more. So in terms of sort of the the merchandising and the innovation that goes into your product and just how taste profiles are changing around the country right now, what what trends are you seeing and you want to play into in 2021? We're really trying to push the protein, the plant-based protein. This is a meal. And so we're highlighting, I'm fortunate in that my I'm 43 years old. My boyfriend, my gentleman, <laughs> is, he's a, <laughs> um, is a, he's a trainer and he is vegan and he exists on our soups. That's good for business to have, you know, someone on your Instagram profile or, you know, on your email with pretty decent muscles holding up a Supergirl soup. I think that we are focusing on plant-based, high protein, high fiber meals. We call these soup based meals. We're also focusing on the values, the values, you know, when you look in, I mean, I'm going on and on, but when you look at our product, I truly believe, and I hope I'm right, that it's more than just a bowl of soup. And so we're trying to hit the health, the plant-based and the values, all that in a bowl of, okay, I'll stop. Ah, All right. (laughs) Enough, enough. We get it. Actually, you know what? I I, want to take, I want to take you back for a bit. Tell us about your Shark Tank experience. God bless my mother. No one should ask of their mother what I asked of mine, really in life. But like, since I started this business, and then when I was like, by the way, we're going to California, this is actually happening. She was a rock star. It was like being on another planet for a week. Now I think it's, it's different. But when we recorded in 2018, we were in this motel with everyone and they gave us these rules, like must not talk to anyone else. You must not compare notes, blah, blah, blah. And after like, three minutes, everyone's like, what's your pitch? Yeah, maybe you should do this. And every morning we would all have coffee together and hang out. We got very close. And then it's like every morning, someone else stepped off the island. When we went in to record these guys who we got to know where we could hear their presentation, their pitch, and they were just getting destroyed. They did not air, but they were just getting destroyed. And I was like, ma, cover your ears, cover your ears. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was brutal. But it is as advertised. You know, a lot of people ask me that, but like there is the hallway and then you go, you stare at them for a little while and they stare at you and then you go and you get one take, the cameras are rolling and that's it. Mm. There's no editing. There's no starting over. It is one of the most stressful things I've ever gone through in my life. But once I got through that, I was like, eh, I don't, I don't care anymore. I mean, it's if I can do that, I can, I'm good. What do you think your best line was in the pitch? Oh, no soup for you. I said that to uh, to uh, Mr. Wonderful. No soup for you. <laughs> that's awesome. I think uh, I think that you know that that's serious bravery. <laughs> you were talking about that fight with your your CFO. Um, not fight. I mean, I'm not trying to create more drama. No, it's it's good tension in a small business. Oh, so you've got these values. You're trying to eliminate food waste. Source the best way possible. Treat your people best, and you still have to make money for you and apparently for your mom. And so 
where's, where's that line? Where's that line where you're just like, okay, we're going to have to charge more to customers or we're going to have to figure out something else. Like what becomes that, that tipping point for you? We actually had this very discussion this morning and some of it involves you, you grow and then you clean it up. So you say yes to something maybe that you're uncomfortable with, and then you clean it up. You figure out how to, to reset, to, to get back in your lane. Look, we're small enough, we're nimble enough to try new things. And it's not going to take a year and a half of corporate just R&D for two years. It's just if we want to do something in a matter of weeks, we can do it. We can print a new label. We can try out something. We have a, a really great local audience, a great local crew of people that try things. So we, we can push the limits and roll it back, push and roll it back. At the end of the day, we've got to sell soup in order to achieve these goals of mine, these values of mine, of the team. So we've got to sell soup. It's finding that compromise that is extraordinarily challenging and rewarding. So the, to answer you, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know. I'm still learning but I love it. I love the I love the journey, although it's very humbling. What's been the most expensive part of the journey? Oh god. <laughs> uh, cleaning up my mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mine too. <laughs> uh, I have made some very serious mistakes in the past 6 to 9 months that are just I uh, I have to move on because if I dwell on them, I get so upset and I can't say I didn't learn. I've learned a lot. But some of them have been extraordinarily expensive, both from just writing checks to just not seeing the revenue come in because you took a gamble on the wrong thing. But cleaning up my mistakes has been particularly expensive this year. Final question before we move on to the final question. I'm not a food manufacturer, but I work with a ton and I have a bunch of friends that are also founders. It feels like there's this myth right now in the country that the goal is if you want to bring a food product to market, you have to end up in Irwan, the sort of grocery store in LA. Yeah. The Target buyers walk through those aisles and the Walmart buyers. And it just feels like it's becoming the new Sephora. Like that was the goal for beauty brands. I was just wondering if that was like part of the strategy in the early days was to try to end up in a supermarket like that. I hate to say this. I didn't quite know what I was doing. And we just were responding to consumer demand. And then when we got proactive, I had to be realistic about where I was and what I could do and how far I could get. So for me, it was just Whole Foods. Initially, it was just Whole Foods, Whole Foods, Whole Foods. And then it was actually shoppers that were going through the DC Whole Foods. Some of them reached out to us Mm -hmm. because we are in some of the biggest Whole Foods in the country. On the East Coast, I think we, we nailed it by making that our first major retailer and we're able to grow from there. That's definitely how we got into a few other retailers. It's very hard to introduce new products to the marketplace right now, which is why this D2C angle is very interesting. If you can really nail a D2C rollout, I think a lot of doors will open. We just all got to get more creative. The people who are getting creative and able to really think differently, that's the thing. And all these, I've been having tons of phone calls with salespeople, marketing people, branding people. The ones that admit they don't know what they're doing right now in this period of time, are the ones that are going to succeed because they have the creative mindset and also the vulnerability and the uh, the humility to admit they need to reset. Those, I think, are the ones that we're going to see some really interesting things from. I agree with that. Sarah, should we ask the final question? I think it's time, my friends. Sarah P., what is the bravest thing that you've ever done? So I was thinking a lot about that question and listening to what other people have said. Uh, <laughs> it was quitting my job to start this business. It was not Shark Tank. 
It was not, I used to be a stand-up comedian. It was not getting on stage as a stand-up comic. I almost passed out when I took my boss to lunch, who was also a very dear friend of mine, and I quit to start. And that, that started this journey that led to everything else and a lot of, I think, brave moments. But that moment in time where I was like, I'm actually going to do this. That was it. That's pretty brave. <laughs> Thank you. Extremely brave. Pushing beyond limits. I, I think what, once, you, once you go through that, then the rest of it actually is a lot easier in terms of just being able to say, okay, I'm going to go on to Shark Tank. Okay, I'm going to go try to get distributed. Okay, I'm going to start figuring out how to ship fresh soup nationwide. Like whatever that, that boulder is. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of True, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming centre stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.